Megan and I have been doing a bit of research about your writing and kind of your lives and things like that, but we'll also just like let you, not your lives, we didn't stalk you or anything, just your professional. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, welcome to Marginally, a podcast about writing, work, and friendship. I'm Olivia, a corporate fraud investigator living in London with my husband and two cats. I'm currently working on a novel and daydreaming about lots of other projects. And I'm Megan, a librarian and freelance indexer writing about complex women's friendships for both young adult and adult audiences. In today's episode, we bring you a conversation with writers and close friends, Shikha Malavia and Sonia Kamal. Together, they talk about how they went from strangers to close friends almost in the time span of a single phone conversation, how they help each other as writing partners, and how they embrace their intersecting identities to form communities of writers and readers. Shikha Malavia is a poet and writer born in the UK and raised in Minnesota and India. Her book, Geography of Tongues, was launched in December 2013 in India to acclaim and featured in the Bangalore Literature Festival, Times of India Literary Carnival, Poetry with Prakriti and other festivals. Shikha is publisher and co-founder of the Great Indian Poetry Collective, a literary press. Shikha's poetry has been nominated for the Pushcart Prize and published in journals such as Plume, Prairie Schooner, and Drunken Boat. She is passionate about poetry and social change and involved in the poetry community through events and initiatives such as crowdsourcing a poem on solar energy with Greenpeace India, writing a poem for Sankara Eye Foundation's Eye Donation Campaign, organizing 100,000 Poets for Change Bangalore in 2012 and 2013, co-founding Poetry in Public India, a movement to bring powerful verse by Indian women to public places across India, giving a TEDx talk on poetry and daily life at TEDx Golf Links Park, Bangalore, 2013. Shika is currently a fourth-time mentor for AWP's Writer to Writer program and was appointed Poet Laureate of San Ramon, California in 2016. She currently lives in the San Francisco Bay Area with her family. Sonia Kamal is an award-winning novelist, essayist, and public speaker. Her most recent novel, Unmarriageable, Pride and Prejudice in Pakistan, is a Financial Times Reader's Best Book of 2019, a 2019 Books All Georgians Should Read, a 2020 Georgia Author of the Year for Literary Fiction nominee, is shortlisted for the 2020 Townsend Award for Fiction, is a New York Public Library NPR Code Switch 2019 Summer Read pick and People's Magazine pick. Her debut novel, An Isolated Incident, was a finalist for the Townsend Award for Fiction and the KLF French Fiction Prize. Sonia's TEDx talk is about second chances, and We Are the Ink, her address at a U.S. Citizenship Oath Ceremony, talks about immigrants and dreams. Sonia serves on Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Committee for the Jane Austen Society of North America, and delivered a keynote at the Jane Austen Festival about universality across time and cultures. Sonia's work has appeared in critically acclaimed anthologies and publications, including The New York Times, The Guardian, The Georgia Review, The Bitter Southerner, Catapult, The Normal School, Apartment Therapy, and more. She has taught creative writing at Emory University, Oglethorpe University, and teaches at the MFA program at Reinhardt University. And now, on to our conversation. We came to know about your work because of the the newsletter website, Something Rhymed, um, where you both talked about your friendship and how you became friends. So maybe for our listeners, would you just sort of go through that story and let us know how you became friends and tell us about your own kind of writing interests? I, I can I can start. 
Well, I used to publish this magazine on the web, the first South Asian literary magazine, if I do say so myself. You are saying so yourself. Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, and that's like... our friendship in a snapshot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes. Um, so yeah, I was publishing this magazine and um, I sent out a call for submissions and I got Sonia's story and her story was so strange and wacky and also very daring, not the stereotypical um, story of an immigrant who comes to the United States. And so I read the story and it was about this girl who, an American girl who wants to call herself Mango. Okay. I mean, I was like the audacity. Okay. So then I read the story and I was like, who is this person? You know, let me just go look her up, which I did. And I saw in her bio, she lived in California at the time. And so did I. And I was like, I wonder where she lives, you know? So I sent her an email and we were sort of chatting because we had a lot in common. Like both of us had had childhoods in England or out of, you know, our countries um, where we're originally from. And um, she seemed very chatty on her website itself. <laughs> so I was like, okay, no, this is interesting. Yes, and, and, and you're just a quiet mouse, aren't you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. we'll see by the end of the podcast, but... Um, <laughs> We'll have a contest. But so uh, anyway, so I call, uh, we we, we exchanged emails. And then after that, um, Sonia's like, you know what? Let me just call you. So (laughs) she called and we just talked as if we'd known each other for a very, very long time. And then she came over with her, at the time, there were two kids. Now she has three, but she just came over and it was like we'd known each other forever. So it's one of those things you just, it it just clicks. And that's what happened with us. Yeah, it, it was, I mean, and, and uh, it was really, it was really weird, because I don't tend to do that. I, you know, I, I am, um, I don't tend to do that. From, I think we just, we just, con- I don't know, I really, even to this day, I'm like, we just connected so fast. We even did. from our first phone call, it was really long. And I think we had a lot of, of course, but similar, like Shika said, similarities in our background, which is, we both lived in our, um, uh, countries of you know uh, Pakistan and India for a while but we'd both grown up in England and then we both married and come to the U.S. but gone to college in the U.S. So we had a lot of similarities I think we both had young children at the time mine were uh, uh, you know we both had I have three now but at the time we both had two uh, two each and um, each, same month and um, yeah, our sons were, yeah our sons are the same age Right. And um, my daughter's uh, younger and Shika's daughter was older. And we, you know, and and I think we were just we lived close enough. And I said, okay, let me just come over. (laughs) And and, um, and then I started going every weekend. And I think, though, for me, honestly, in friendships, I have to be on the same way that person and I have to be on the same wavelength when it comes to morals and ethics. Like I have to respect you to be able to, I I think that goes with any relationship and everyone would perhaps say the same, but you know, I really, you know, if, if I have someone yelling at me that I'm not going to get anywhere in life or in my writing career, if I don't kiss ass, that's a pretty big clue to me then and there that I'm not about to get along with this person or be friends with this person, you know? So I think, I think, you know, our, our, our morals and ethics and our, priorities and where we see the world and how we see the world and stuff are very aligned and and they've continued to be aligned which i think is is a big reason of our of our continued close friendship you know right and i think um what i really appreciated about sonia uh is that she can be very honest sometimes to the point of bluntness and (laughs) i would rather have a friend be like that than you know 
be nice to me when say I have a really bad haircut or I'm walking out without pants or something like that, you know, Sonia would be the first one to tell me, you know, go put on a pair of pants right now. I would be like, go back in and do that. <laughs> you know, no, I'm, 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 let's, let's put it politely. I'm not very diplomatic, <laughs> um, you know, and, and I'm, I am very straightforward and um, I, I like people to be that way with me also. Uh, right. I mean, you don't have to be rude when you're being straightforward. And so, you know, people confuse bluntness or straightforward and stuff. Sometimes that they think it, it equates to being rude and impolite. And it absolutely doesn't. It just means that you're not going to let your, your, anyone walk out looking like, an, you know, like, you know, <laughs> with the, with, uh, with their buttons undone, <laughs> so to speak. But, um, if you can help it just because, you know, so, um, so yeah. But I also, I think it was that combination of both of us being from the Asian subcontinent and both of us being writers as well as mothers and wives and daughters. And, you know, we usually, you know, conversations, and I'm not trying to belittle anyone, but conversations with others would be like, well, what did you cook today? And where are you going? And all that. But with Sonia, it was like, what book did you read? And oh my God, did you, you know, see this poem or did you see what this writer had to say? And, um, that literary aspect of it meant a lot. And the fact that we're both the same age, both at the same stages in our life in some ways. So it was really nice to have that synergy where everything sort of just came together. And um, of course our liberal outlooks as well, which was very important too, but just that to have somebody and also to be honest about our writing when we started exchanging writing later too, that does this work? No, this sucks. I mean. It's very difficult to get a person to say how they really feel in terms of writing because, you know, if anyone's workshop their work, they know, oh, this is nice, but this could be better. No, we, we, we don't do that with each other. We're very, very, you know, honest. About yeah, and I, think, and I think we learned to be honest fairly on just because I think we just trusted each other a lot, you yeah. know? And I think maybe that's a litmus test as writers because it's one thing to be, uh, you know, to, to be friends in the same profession versus to be friends for different reasons, right? Um, and writing is such a profession where you really have to learn or to balance um, the critique that you get and not necessarily take it personally, which is a very odd thing to do because your writing is personal, right? As much as we like to say it's a part, it is, it's, it's both a part of us and apart from us, you know, in so many respects, but, um, but yeah, to be able to trust what that other person is saying. And I think once again, it comes to how much you trust that other person's morals and ethics, because you have to trust that this person is your well-wisher and, and the advice that they're giving you is coming from a, a place in their heart where they want you to succeed and not for some other reason. Uh, and not that when you're sitting in workshop, I don't mean to imply that people are not doing that, but like, you know, like Shika said, often in workshops where, where everyone is a little, you know, cognizant of everyone's feelings and they're way more polite, but, but we've been friends for what now almost 15 years yeah or so. so so at this point i think we're far less polite than we were perhaps 15 years ago <laughs> you know at this point we'll just we won't even we won't even you know often with workshop you're told we'll first find two nice things to say and then whatever we've just completely bypassed the nice things to say <laughs> and, and anything at all it's just like 
no, <laughs> not working. But you know, the thing is this also, we have grown as writers together. And at this point now, I think we both trust our work also, you know, we trust our voices in many respects, we trust our voices. So when we do, and, and frequently, I mean, we, we exchange work so much because Shikha's a poet at this point and um, a poetry can be short or some, sometimes I'm reading like three poems a day and I'm like, okay, but it's doable because you know, they're poems and stuff. But let's say I, I've written an essay and I need feedback on it. And usually the feedback at this point is, is it working? You know, I, it's not the sentence level, it's not the whatever, it's more like is this paragraph working is this working and and we have we've 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 grown into a style where we read each other's things you know we'll email them or text them or whatever quickly read them and get 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 feedback and that's just priceless to get that sort of instant feedback from from someone you trust but but also having grown into each other's style we you know it's more so you know that sometimes i'm like can you say something nice about it <laughs> but but we're so used to now you know just knowing um that, uh, no, what I was gonna say is that, um, is that we trust ourselves also. In the beginning when you're finding, you know, with a critique partner or, or a friend or something, you know, uh, now at this point, if I say to Shikha, this line doesn't work for me, or you should move this here, or she says the same to me, if we, if we don't agree, we trust ourselves and, right. and the thought of being offended or, you know, either one of us being offended that we didn't take each other's advice. For me, it doesn't even occur, you know? I mean, if she couldn't like something that I, yeah, but I trust that no, my essay or my, my short story or whatever works better because of this, I'll just stick to that. It doesn't even, you know, it's not even on my, and I say this weirdly because I'm saying this, so why am I saying it if it's not? But it's not that Shikha's going to mind or she's going to mind anything I say to her about her work. So, you know, there's a synergy there, which has just developed uh, into a huge comfort level of being able to say whatever. The other day I wrote an essay and um, she read it and she's like, well, why is this quote here? It should be um, underneath this other paragraph. And yeah. I said, no, you know what? No, I don't think it belongs there. I moved it there. And then after that, I was, no, it doesn't belong there. And yeah. she's like, okay, whatever. Well, I think it's better yeah. there. And I said, well, and I think she, it's not. She sent me, yeah, she sent me a new draft yesterday and I read it and I saw that she'd moved it. You know, she'd kept it where she wanted and I didn't even mention it because I was like, okay, she, it works better for her here. That's fine. I mean, what's that got to do with me? It's, it's the, it, she's the writer of this piece at the end of the day. And I recently had, um, you know, I recently had a, uh, an essay um, that was published on apartment therapy of all places. I never thought I'd write for a decor site, but it was about nostalgia and memory and the and and the furniture we keep or don't keep and why. And um, you know, I sent the first draft to Shikha and she's like, "No, this isn't working. You need to change the whole structure, or whatever." And I didn't. I kept it the way it was, and and it got really, I have to say, really, really great reader response. Really well. There was yeah. some things, but. Yeah, yeah but, thanks. But, but my thing is that in, in both our instances <laughs> of what we're giving is that the reason we're so comfortable, I think, being so candid with each other is because I think we also trust that we know what is best for what we're working on, right? So, so, so let's say a piece doesn't work. We're not going to blame each other and say, well, you didn't, you didn't, you know, because ultimately it's our decisions which are, which are what we stick with. Even, even also, I think we have something called writer's intuition, which develops over years, right? And we trust our own intu intuition as well as each other's intuition, you know? And I think the fact that, you know, Sonia is mostly a fiction writer and I'm mostly um, a poet has also helped our friendship in many ways because it, 
it, it gives different perspectives. Like I, as a poet, have a tendency to have everything be, um, you know, um, tight and compact, whereas she's all about expansion. Everything is like, you know, the, she could yeah. go on and on and on about things, which I really admire because even when I was writing my essay, I'm like, oh my God, I'm struggling to even write 5,000 words. How do you write 9,000 words or 8,000 words? But um, I think but, that's- but, you know, and the, flip, the flip of that is that because Shika is a poet and I've seen the way she condenses things, and I really love her imagery, I will say, always have. Um, you know, so so I picked up and learned a lot from that. Just by you just you just do by osmosis, right? You're reading someone's work and you're seeing how they're doing it and, and you develop, you know, and, and I can go on and on, but I think I've become better about going going on and on. <laughs> You develop as a writer also anyway, over 15 years, you know, uh, where, where perhaps I might have in the beginning shown Shika essays, which were 50 pages long. Thankfully, they've come down to 20 pages now. So, <laughs> but, but you know, that, that's the thing also is that to be able to trust that someone's going to read that amount for you. When I was writing um, Unmarriageable, my, my novel, uh, that is the, you know, the yeah. post-colonial parallel yep. of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, I am... Um, I literally had two months deadline to write it. And um, I contacted three people. I needed, I needed first readers and I needed, a, you know, Shika was obviously, I, you know, I told Shika I'm the first reader. <laughs> and I'm going to be emailing you whatever I write every day. And Shika did say, she did groan. She was like, oh no. Because as a writer, she knew what that meant, right? When someone says, I have to write this novel, I'll send you whatever. In, in contrast, my sister-in-law and, and, my, and my niece, I needed, you know, they're both from Pakistan, where I'm from originally and I wanted someone older a little bit older and someone you know more younger and basically I wanted to see if I was on track was this novel interesting was this whatever and they didn't have oh no responses okay they're so they're lay people they're not writers so they're with their, their response like oh yes they, this sounds great and I just thought I I, I always I bring this up because I thought it was so cute because the writer was like oh because she knew what was was what was about to happen and the two other people were but you know it's weirdly enough coincidentally enough um, I start. I started writing it, and then one. I think a week into writing it, because I had to write chunks every day, and I'd literally email them. And on the same day, all three of them wrote to me, literally, and they said, "Where's the next chapter? Where's the next whatever?" And that gave me a lot of confidence, right? Because I had Shaka as the writer, and then two other people as just readers asking for more. So that was really nice. But but the fact that I can do that, you know, Shaka can do that with me, or I can do that with her. You know, she can send an entire collection of something and say, I need this read immediately. And you do stop and you do, you know, you do take the time out. Um, and, and, and again, let me just say, you take that time out and stuff, I think, because you know that the other person is going to trust what you're saying and then trust themselves eventually also. So it's, so it's not, you know, so there's this, that comfort level is very important for the feedback. How long did it, so uh, Olivia and I were both laughing when you were talking about kind of the progress of your friendship and how long you've known each other because we actually hit 21 years wow. this fall that's great um, congratulations so really long time wow. but it was a long time before we started sharing um writing with each other outside of the like context of school and that kind of thing um so how did you make that transition from write from friends to writing partners or critique partners and yeah. when yeah. and how yeah, I think I think we were actually uh, really uh, because of the way it was because I sent my sh I saw a monsoon magazine. Oh, that's uh, right. Online, and I had this story ready to go, 
and um, and I just sent it off. I didn't know Shaka, and I don't even think I read her bio or anything. I just saw the magazine, and um, it was I think on a rolling basis, or maybe there was a call out. I don't even remember that. There was a call. Out. There was a call, and I and I just yeah, I think that's what it was, and I just sent the story in. Um, and um, and next I know it's been accepted, and she called up, and and so so there was really never any uh, trans. We didn't go from friends to writers. We went from writers uh, to transitioning into friendship, and 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 almost almost immediately. I mean, I really don't like. I said this is so not me. <laughs> so I really I we just it, it was it was it was. And surreal. then you had a, a book. You had a manuscript and. and um, and, and 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 also of course like i always say i always joke about this that what if she and seriously what if she had rejected my story right <laughs> what would have happened then i mean all of this happened because i sent the story in sure but then right. she accepted it and called me up because and she wanted to talk about and, and she was so excited about it because she wanted to talk about how different it was and it was basically about um I was trying to subvert the uh, uh, the uh, a trope and and it's about a white girl who um wants to uh, wants to call she starts calling herself mango she's really into south asian and pakistani and not even pakistani the story was set in india i think and it's it's so long ago and um and 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 my peeve is that you know shika did not put that that um i didn't end up publishing another issue book. actually yeah. so yeah that story never got yeah published. it never came out so. <laughs> but instead our friendship sort of flourished yeah so. So, so I think just from the very beginning, uh, since we connected over writing, and then I don't know, Shika just started sending me her poems also. Yeah, I can't even remember now how exactly. I don't, started, I, don't. But... I think she was working on her collection, um, Geography of, of Tongues. Oh, yeah. And I think she just started sending me the poems, of, and, right. and then she sent me the whole And at first, Sonia was like, oh, I don't like poetry. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm I I I'm not a huge. I've read I've read some poetry. I actually, weirdly enough, I started out writing poetry back in the day when I first started writing. I mean, if anyone knows, if you've seen my TEDx talk, I did not want to be a writer. I wanted to be an actress. My father didn't let me be that, and act, writing sort of chose me. And I had a very resentful relationship towards writing because clearly, writing was okay in my culture. It was respectable, but acting was not. Anyway, if anyone, you know, um, so so, um, uh, but when I but I did used to scribble from eight years of age onwards. And I and I actually started out by writing poetry. I, I wrote a lot, a lot of poetry. But I think I just, I, I used to write short stories also. And I just naturally, I think short story form just attracted me more. Uh, for so, I don't know. By the time we met, she was yeah, like, actually, yeah. a reaction which I get from a lot of um, people I know who are fiction writers saying, oh, we don't like poetry. And no, since I'll, tell you why, I'll tell you why exactly. And it's not that I don't like poetry. It's this. I find the form so distilled and, right. and, and that sometimes it makes me very emotionally overwhelmed. Um, as, as a novelist, and I am predominantly a novelist, even though I do write a lot of personal essays and stuff, I'm used to long form and I'm used to emotions unfurling through long sure. form, you know, yeah. through character development, through long form. With poetry, I find that the emotions are, are just so precise and so distilled and just so head on. And, and, and weirdly enough, that disturbs me in not necessarily a good way. I just feel it too much. Like it's just too, I don't know. 
I can't sit, you know, it hits you, it hits me. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's very, and, I, and I've told her this many times in the beginning because it's not that I don't like poetry or whatever, it's just that sometimes it's just too much for me. But I think also I will say reading Shikaz, as much as I've had to read Shikaz poetry again and again, I have, I have reconnected with poetry, with poems, and I, and I definitely do, um, and I definitely am able to contain those emotions that I feel towards it um, a lot more. So in a way, it's sort of refreshing that, um, you know, we work in different genres, although I am writing a novel as well. And I'm always scared whenever I want feedback from Sonia. I am so scared to send her my fiction because I'm like, oh, no, what if, what if you know, she says it sucks. And so when she actually read, um, you know, the first few chapters of my novel in progress, and she said she really liked it. I was like, oh, <laughs> just so relieved. Yeah, no, I think it's really good. I think it flows really well. And I think Shikha brings all her um, strengths that she has with, uh, with, um, in her poetry, uh, which is precision and also really beautiful details. And, and I think she's just, for some reason, this particular, because I've read other pieces of hers, other, other attempts at novels and whatnot, where I think she's focused more on, um, I don't know, but but this particular one, it, the flow of it is something about the flow of this subject matter has really connected with her poet's it's voice. It's a novel also. about poetry. Yeah, it's a novel. Okay. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, I think that that's it. Maybe it's a poet. It's a novel about poets and poetry and stuff. And for some, so for the, for the flow in it is really, really, um, very, very. It's it's flowing very well, and um, yeah. One of yeah. the things that both of you do really beautifully, actually, um, and both of your writing is beautiful, so I'm sure that helps, again, that sort of mutual respect, um, but uh, you, it really centers women's voices, right, in your, in both, of, a lot of the poetry that you've written, Shika, and uh, Unmarriageable, Sonia, it, it is very much about sort of showing that side of experience, of human experience. Um, I guess I'm curious from both of you, uh, why you think that's important and also sort of how that's helped you to build your community and your friendship with each other, but also kind of more widely. Well, I'm, I'm actually really glad you asked that question because um, women's voices are so important to me. In fact, the current poetry project I'm working on, which I really haven't announced yet, but um, I'm working on a collection of poems um, in the voice of a 19th century uh, Indian woman who came to the United States. Um, she was the first Hindu woman, apparently, who came here to study to become a doctor. And um, her story is such a beautiful one in many ways. And it's also a very difficult one because she struggled a lot to fight to get an education and then suffered losses and stuff before um, realizing she wanted to be a doctor because um, at that time, no women in, in her area and other parts of India wanted to go to a doctor because they were mostly male and um, most of them weren't even Indian. They were either like missionaries or, um, you know, from England or the United States and stuff like that. So um, when I discovered her story through a photograph which went viral on the internet, I was just really compelled to find out more about this woman whose story was always told through the lens of her husband being, um, you know, it was always that because of her husband, her husband, you know, really advocated for her education, she became this. And I'm like, it can't be just because of her husband. It has to be because of what she felt inside, right? Um, so that set me on a journey and I'm currently working on this. But um, I've 
always believed that um, poetry is a radical act. And in fact, I have a book right next to me that I was revisiting for the essay I wrote, um, which is called What is Found There? Notebooks on Poetry and Politics by Adrienne Rich. And she talks about the act of poetry writing as a radical act. And um, like Audre Lorde about how poetry is a necessity and being a woman and being a poet is it's 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 such a statement in itself and i just think that there has never been enough representation of women's voices and especially you know um, women of color and that it's very important to bring that out in the stories we have to tell um which is why it's in my work it's intentional but it's also who i am i mean i'm a woman of color in this country right so um i don't know if i'm answering your question but that's why it's such an important part of my work and in my um, collection of poems, Geography of Tongues, it was very autobiographical. It talked about me growing up in the Midwest, in Minnesota, being a person of color, and I went through a lot of discrimination, but also how it made me look at my own culture and about building bridges between cultures. And so by default, by identifying as a woman, being a woman, I was able to bring that aspect into my work as well. But I also just think the act of writing is such a, a radical act. And if you're a woman who is writing, automatically you are bringing women's voices into the forefront. So that that's my way of thinking. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. And Sonia? Um, I, I'm not sure how to answer this question, uh, perhaps. I think, um, I mean, my, my, I, I, I moved so many countries growing up. Um, and, and then in very seminal years found myself, um, in Saudi Arabia at a co-ed school, uh, which was, which the student body was, um, it was an international school. So it re resembled a mini United Nations and stuff. And, um, and the library there had books from all over the world, instead of just, if you're from a certain country and you know, if you're from England, you just, at that time, you would have been reading Enid Blyton. Maybe if you were just in the U.S., you would have been reading Judy Bloom. And, and the twin, you know, the two would never have met. But for me, there were not just two cultures meeting, but cultures from all over the world meeting. And um, for me, women's voices, I never thought when I started writing that I was really writing, it wasn't a conscious thing that I'm writing women's voices and I'm writing women's stories. I just wrote the voices and the stories that came to me. So for instance, Mango, the story that I sent to um, Shikha's, uh, you know, that is actually from the voice of um, a white woman. And, um, and it's set, uh, and then the other protagonist is from, um, is from India, the male protagonist. And I'm neither white and I'm not from India. So I just, I, and, and you know, we, we talk so much about writing, uh, writing from different spaces these days. And this story was what, 15 years ago? And then, yeah. oh, now you would be writing that story. Yeah, which means <laughs> I probably wrote it even earlier, uh, you know, at least uh, 16, 17 years ago. Right. At the yeah. time when, you know, this, and I think that's why she was so excited to see it because she was like, what is this, you know? Um, yeah, it was. And, it was Definitely. Yeah, and I tended to do a lot of that. But the fact is that even though I was stepping into different shoes, I guess those shoes were often the protagonists were often those of women, not necessarily perhaps of my culture or of my background, um, immediate background, but very much women that I'd been friends with and that I knew and whose whose lives I knew very well. Um, so 
I, for me, the, the bridge has always been that I've wanted to build is more, uh, not, no, not, not, yes, looking into women's lives, but also very much um, looking into what makes a community and what doesn't make a community. You know, where do people connect and where do people not connect? Um, you know, I mean, Shikha's from India. I'm from Pakistan. She's grown up. Um, um, Technically, I'm British by birth. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, I've grown up in, in Muslim religion, and 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 there are, you know, there are points or perhaps people who would wonder why we're getting along, and or, you know, but 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 the corollary of that is that why not get along? You know, yeah. what where where are the breaks that people? Where what are the bridges? and connections that we see predominantly in opposition to those who see the breaks in different places you come from. And those are the things that I like to write about. And whether I write about them through a woman's voice or a, or a man's voice, because I write a lot of short stories also. And many, many times my short stories are from the male perspective or from a male voice. And in my, in my novel, An Isolated Incident, it's a parallel dual story and they're both equal protagonists. Um, you know, there's the female voice, Zari, but there's, the, there's my male protagonist, Billy also. So, so yes, I look into women's lives and, and voices and stuff very much so. I mean, I'm coming from that myself. But on the other hand, um, I'm very interested in, 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 in um, stepping into other shoes also and looking at it from a more community-based perspective than just giving voice to women per se. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and I think, is that something that the two of you have discussed? Um, sort of how you make those decisions? Is that like, when you're in the sort of planning and like what you're trying to do, do you also talk that through? Or is that all sort of internal work that you do and then send the product to I each other? For me, it's internal work. Definitely when I'm writing my short stories or novels, I don't think we really discuss anything per se about that. We, don't we just do our work. The plots. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, think- We do our work and we, you know, it's not like, should I do this or should we, we don't do that. We don't, I, I, I don't necessarily discuss in work I just write what I have to write and then I send it right. and and then and then uh, yeah I don't really like when Shika when Shika sends me her poems I don't necessarily I think it's very seldom if at all I have I ever said that well this needs to be from a different perspective or this so seldom that I can't even you know um remember anything yeah. but yeah. we talk about community in general because um you know it, it I mean we are both technically from in, in some ways from the same country that was divided not too long ago, you know? So there's so many things that we find are in common, but um, a lot of people don't see it that way. You know, they're, they're like, oh, she's from Pakistan, you're from India, you know, the, the, you're supposed to be at each other's throats. <laughs> but no, we talk about how, you know, when, I mean, we've had numerous discussions about different things, religion, politics, all sorts of things. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, I think we sort of rise above that. And um, it's, I mean, I don't think we've ever like clashed over anything. Um, but we, we talk about how it's necessary to build community by trying to understand each other and have more conversations. And sometimes I think it's very frustrating when we both encounter people who are bigoted, you know, but then we also, you know, we, we you know, I, I think we've talked about this, right? That, you know, yeah. oh, we, this person has this opinion and, you know, it's, it's very disturbing, you know, yeah. there, um, there been has, you know, this, this last year or so um, with, with what is happening in India, has been an, an interesting journey 
being a Pakistani and being um, vocal on social media about what is taking place in different countries. Um, and, and, and then seeing some people, um, you know, uh, question whether I as a Pakistani have a right to say anything about what's going on in India. And I find that very short-sighted because at the end of the day, especially with my upbringing and the way um, I've, I've moved from country to country, I do see, I, you know, I don't see it as just India or, or, or Nigeria or, you know, Norway. It's, I see a very global perspective. So, so I don't see why I shouldn't have an opinion if something is, you know, if, if, if I see a, a country slightly shifting what um, I thought they stood for, not to have an opinion on that. And, um, and you know, so, uh, Shikha might sometimes have, uh, have people saying to her that, well, why does Sonia post about India or why does this, that and the other? And then, you know, and then we've had to work through stuff, stuff like that. But, but us personally as such, I don't think we've, you know, I don't think we've clashed like that at all. And, uh, you know, like for me, if Shika has something to say about Pakistan, okay, it's her opinion. She says it and, and that's that, right? What has that got to do with her being Indian and stuff? But sometimes I think I, th I think the few things that Shika has heard, it does come down to, well, Sonia is a Pakistani, so how can she say this about, you know? And 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 we have, you know, have had, her, we have had a few, you know, moments of, um, tension there sometimes but but then the thing is like she said you know you 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 either you either you 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 know that is i think when you decide what what friendship means to you and if you're going to rise above what someone has said to you about your friend and trust that your friend is not being an you know or you're going to be influenced by those people and i think both shika and i you know i mean i don't think shika's the sort of person i think shika's very much her own person and i don't think Ultimately, she's going to let anyone influence um, the way she thinks, uh, you know. And 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 even though there might be moments where I'm like, you know, what is she saying? But I think ultimately, I've 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 seen that, you know, she she's she's very much her own person, and so am I, which is why we're able to work through those things also, and not be influenced by what's happening or what others are saying. Or, Stuff like Which is why, um, bring it back to women's voices, why it is very important to, you know, read voices of women and, you know, promote voices of women because women's voices have, and I'm not trying to sound like, you know, women's voices, but no, it's true. Like our opinions are often, you know, uh, uh, suppressed and, um, you know, pushed down or, you know, we haven't, women's um, thoughts and opinions aren't given enough legitimacy yeah. and what happens on every level. Yeah, I don't know so much how much they're they're suppressed per se. I think the right word for me would be belittled, right? Because I think a lot of women say a lot of things out loud all the time nowadays and stuff. So I don't know how much the suppression or that is involved, whether it be in your family or whether it be in and 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 as Shikha will attest, I say whatever I want whenever you know I am very candid. You say that, yeah, you be like, what? and I'll be like, no. For me, being honest and candid is just more important important than any anything else and um but but that said uh for me so so it's 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 the way i see women being belittled and disdained in the world today when they say something be it greta thunberg you know uh be it be it um alexandria cortez there's there's you have to for women today with with our you know 
yes, there, for certain women in certain cultures, the suppression is still there, but for other women in other cultures, it's more of how to battle that disdain, you know, that, oh, how cute she's, she's saying something important again, you know, and, and I think that is something which, um, which, uh, which I like to address in my work, at least, um, how to break that, that sense of not being important enough. You have a voice, everyone has a voice, but mm -hmm. how do you ascribe importance to your voice and how do you believe that your voice matters and your words matter, you know? It, it's so fun. I, I love this question. I'm so glad that you asked this question. Um, and it's funny because right now what I'm working on, the um, working title is In Her Own Voice. <laughs> so, totally <laughs> inadvertently, but great, yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, but I think that's something that we have also been thinking about. I mean, it's one of the things that obviously we do on our podcast. Most of our guests are women. Um, and I think it's really important. And one of the things that we're obviously thinking about lately is how do you get a wider variety of voices, both on our podcast and then more broadly, right? Um, and I think that's also, I mean, both of you have been, well, you started uh, the first, what did the first um, literary oh, magazine for the... <laughs> Yeah. And but both of, sorry, go ahead. I said it was short lived, but it was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. And but I think those types of projects as well are um, really important. Both of you have been involved in, uh, you know, different literary journals and things like that. Um, and so I think that's another kind of dimension to this. So women's voices as well as, you know, voices of people of color and giving space to have those discussions that you that are really important, you know, written discussions and presumably also verbal discussions. So I don't ramble. Megan, do you, do you have a question? Do you want to ask? Well, I was just building off of that. Um, <clears throat> like both of you obviously come at the world like all of us do with lots of intersecting identities. And so, um, you know, you talk about building bridges and community and, you know, clearly like being women is a very big commonality with 51% of the planet, right? Um, but you have other other intersecting identities, you know, writer, mother, um, women from South Asia. But so that's, that's really useful when you're making those connections and when you're trying to build the community. But then um, one of the things that's been going on in publishing, especially in the West and in the US is this look at how publishing is very mono, um, monoculture you know um mm -hmm. and, and i'm actually thinking more monoculture in the like agrarian sense and not necessarily like all white people but it's like we farm the same story over and over and over again from the same like two big you know corporations you know everything is consolidated and how how do we break that and how do we um how do we build something different with different identities. And I think that's something that you've both kind of been working with is this idea of whether you're working within the, the publishing system as it exists, or you are creating your own space outside of the big five and outside of the big, you know, journals. Um, what, how do you do this? And, and what, what made you do it? And, you know, for any of our listeners who are interested or in doing the same thing, like, um, I think it's possible that we could be at the cusp of some really big, fantastic changes um, if I, we act. I, yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. yeah, we're definitely at the at the cusp of something. 
I hope they're big and they're wonderful. Uh, I hope it's good. <laughs> I, th I think the sea change that I've seen in the past five, six years was, um, and maybe, you know, is, is um, the addition in the publishing world of lots of um, smaller, you know, small publishers who nevertheless have a big voice, you know, used to be back in the day that, you know, you had your six uh, big uh, publishers and then they consolidated, Penguin Random House did and became five, the five big ones. And, and um, prizes or uh, review space would be very much dedicated to the books coming out from the big five. And, and I, I've, I've done, you know, literary journalism work and I've done book reviews and author interviews and stuff. And used to be, it, was, it would be very hard to place uh, even the best of book by small publisher with a review, with review space. Um, but that seems to have changed a lot. And with, and with social media and the internet also, because that has opened up a lot of uh, journals, you know, their presence on Online. So it's not just relegated to print and do we have print space for so-and-so's voice and so-and-so's whatever. The internet is able to give so much more um, space and stuff. And it exists over there. It's not like this, this print issue came out and then now you have to go through back issues. It's on the net. You can constantly send, send it out to anyone. Uh, it's, it's always present. Um, and I think that has really helped a lot of voices, enabled a lot of voices of color uh, writers of color to to be published and to showcase their voice and I'd equate that almost with experimental writing you know because used to be with the big five or the big six you would have more of like you said um and more of the um accepted narratives per se or the narratives that would sell or would be supposed to sell um with with you know with writers of color often I see it's it's it's, it's very much the immigrant stories you know but it's one type of immigrant story which is often the immigrant that came to the U.S. with nothing and then prospered in the U.S. or it's the second type of immigrant story which is culture clashes the parents want to still stay in a back home mentality but the younger generation wants to become more American and, uh, quote unquote, what does that mean for the entire family? So you know, it was various immigrant stories like this. And but but I've seen such a I've seen a change with that also. A lovely novel, one of my favorites um, in these past few years, is by this writer called um, Imbolo Imbolo Ibolo Mabu, and um, she had a novel called Behold the Dreamers. And I was at my local library and I saw it and I picked it up and, and it's, 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 it's an immigrant story, but it's such a different immigrant story from what you're, what you expect. And um, I happened to pick up a cover that did not say Oprah selection. So I didn't know it wasn't, so I, I don't like to read reviews and stuff before I read a book. So I read the novel. I loved it. And I'm still, I read it like, I think a year and a half ago and I'm still recommending it and stuff, but it was only after I finished reading it that I then Googled her and, you know, and, and, and whatever. And I was like, oh, this was an Oprah selection, you know? So, so there is increasing space for, um, different voices, different narratives, different stories. This is not to say that it's all utopia out there. There are still restrictions. I think I think with the bigger presses and stuff, marketing plays a much huger role than I think even editors' voices do. I do know editors who've loved stories, but then when they've taken it to the marketing departments, they've been shot down. And um, so, you know, used to be back in the day, maybe 15, 20 years ago, editors would have more say, but it seems to me nowadays, marketing has a lot more say, which is where the importance of the smaller publishers really comes in. 
because they have, they, you know, they're able to showcase, not that marketing and books, wanting to sell books does not matter to them, but, but I think with, 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 uh, with how they publish things, they have more leeway, more space perhaps, and, and perhaps different intentions also, that they're also invested in bringing new voices out to the public and to readers, whereas some other bigger companies, more corporate corporate oriented companies for them it might just be you know <laughs> the the bottom line so so this has been one thing i've definitely definitely noticed over the past few years and especially with um genres like poetry um no I even even novel i mean i'm talking strictly about fiction not poetry sure i can obviously talk about but yeah. but my my comments um were very much geared towards um uh novels and short story collections no i think um I think, as you said, a change is coming, and especially so after um, the pandemic, um, where um, even I think publishing has shifted on what type of books are going to be published and what will sell, what won't sell, because <clears throat> for the big publishers, a lot of it is unfortunately about marketing, as Sonia had mentioned as well. But um, there are so many option now, uh, options now in terms of small presses or empowering yourself and starting something on your own, which is um, what I think a lot of people who are frustrated will do and can do is that if you don't see it, create it. I'm, I'm an advocate for that. And um, I, I, I agree with you. I think that's important, but I think that, that perhaps, um, and, and what do you think? I think that perhaps Shikha, that works more that that is something that poets might be used to doing more but i don't know about with short story and novel because at the end of the day you want distribution right for your work you do, you and, do. and there are options for that like if you start a small press um there are a lot of new small presses that have come up and um that are doing amazing jobs and yes you do need some capital and it is also labor of love especially um in the genre of poetry um but um I don't want to limit it to poetry, but I can share my own experience, which is in poetry. And um, so when you try to get a poetry manuscript published here in the United States, right, you have to send it to different small presses. There's a reading fee, which is often $25 to $35. And I have friends who are brilliant, who have been like Stegner Fellows and things like that, who shopped around their manuscript for five years, six years, seven years, and they'd become finalists. And then their um, book would get chosen after so many years and how many you know just imagine the fees they paid they could have published their book on their own right with the amount of fees they were paying um but i felt like this model was broken and especially when you go to countries like india where i was um living for i lived there for six years from 2008 to 2014 um hardly any publisher wanted to look at poetry or publish poetry and there they don't even have like a proper structure for um, teaching writing in terms of writing programs. There are no MFAs there. There are a lot of like, um, you know, you can do a BA in literature or an MA or a PhD in literature, but there's no such thing as an MFA and there's no PhD in creative writing. Creative writing did not exist for some reason. Um, things are changing though, but um, so I was there and I met two other poets and we were like, hey, why don't we start a collective press where we can have mentorship as well as publish new voices? So we got together, we didn't have any money, but we pulled in whatever we had at the time and we started it and it took off. You know, we, we got a lot of positive attention and a lot of support from people, a lot of community support. It was like 
It was amazing, actually. And that really um, fueled us into saying, okay, we're going to try and sustain this. And it hasn't been easy because um, poetry often is maligned for being, you know, a genre which is really abstract or, you know, we don't understand this or it, it's really intellectual. There, there's so many, like, you know, um, stereotypes about what poetry is. And we wanted to break that as well by publishing books that, you know, took risks and did something different. And it's poetry, but it's also telling a story. It's also doing other things. So um, I guess my point is, is that right now with all the resources we have available to us, whether it's social media, whether it's, you know, through a podcast, whether it's through print on demand, whether it's through self-publishing, there are so many different avenues and choices. And um, we all have to market ourselves as writers anyway. So why not take things into your own hands? I mean, I mean, everyone has that knowledge, I feel, you know, to be able to edit, to be able to figure out technology and how to lay out things. It's, sure. it's not as difficult as it seems. Yeah, it's not as difficult as it seems, but I think it nevertheless is more labor intensive uh, than otherwise. And I think some people's right. personalities may be more particularly suited to that, right? I right. mean, I think with Shikha, she's, you know, for, for doing uh, the magazine that I'd submitted Mango to that was that was online. And Shikha's definitely more suited to, um, I've noticed to, you know, uh, towards these innovative publishing ideas or, or doing stuff like that. Not everyone can necessarily do that. So, for instance, when they started the Great Indian Poetry Collective and stuff, whereas, you know, the poets who submitted their manuscripts to their contests could have opened their own poetry collectives also, but they didn't. They never, they instead chose to submit to this one and, 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 and work at it through that. So I think, so I don't, I don't want anyone to, you know, I don't want anyone to listen to this and, and feel the pressure that, oh, we can do this on our own, but we're not doing it and then lose, you know, lose something in that also. I think, I think one. I think the best thing is to recognize what are the strengths in your personality and how much you can do and are able to do, and then work from there. Right. So some people are able to begin these ventures and stuff, and and yes. see through with the marketing, the distribution, the editing, the everything. Especially if you collaborate with people. With right. It's not an easy thing to do. It's, yeah, it's, it's never easy and it's never hard. It really depends on on what strengths of yours you bring to the table and how you and how you use those strengths to 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 help other writers and stuff also and um so so yeah i just want you know because i i, I don't see myself starting any such thing <laughs> or a publishing company or anytime anytime soon it's just not it's just not my, my strength i mean i i i i i you know one strength can lie in different directions so right no i i i just i guess i wanted to put out there that the option exists and also um in terms of self-publishing also, because I know people who um, have self-published their works. Um, and yes, there there might be, I mean, it's very subjective and I know that there are issues of quality control and stuff like that. But I also know people who are really smart and brilliant who have published beautiful books as well because they were just so fed up of shopping their manuscript around um, and then in they poetry. didn't want to wait 10 years. In, in poetry. In poetry. in poetry and in fiction and in fiction and the reason i asked that is because you know i think um the few people i know who have self-published their their work uh they come across what even those of us who are traditionally published tend to come across which is how to market oneself you know um the, the wonderful thing is the internet has given voice to so many voices who might otherwise have been silenced 
if they weren't able to find print to to give them voice and now they're able through you know through different social media to give themselves voice that said even that can be a challenge sometimes because you know you can only you know your your twitter followers your instagram your facebook whatever sometimes you, i mean how much can you can you share the same thing over and over again to that particular friend, friends of yours or that those particular followers of yours so i think the challenge that both self published authors as well as as well as i will say traditional authors do often face is is the market is is just how to get the word out there um but i think but i will say of course self published authors face it in a lot of different ways because they don't have that added support that a publishing company can give you, you know, whether big or small. Um, we're, um, hybrid. Yeah, hi hybrid, but that's still a publishing company, right? Hybrid is, I believe, when you're you you collaborate with a publishing company, but then you pay also, you pay somewhat, you pay some. Right, right, I'm not right, sure. Right. I, I, I find hybrid publishing very fascinating, actually. Not and a model I, I, I've used or gone with, so I'm not sure how much the ratio. I haven't either, but I have friends who have, and I feel, in that sense, that's maybe how the publishing industry might be shifting in, in um in terms of like, well, I can shop around my book for ten years, but then if I go through this hybrid publisher. I can pay, but they're going to be editing it. They're going to be providing services, which on my own, I would not want to do. But at the same time, yeah. my voice will be out there because, I mean, what if somebody, you know, doesn't sure, have much time? What if, you know, who knows? Right? right. But once again, I'm going to stress on the fact that, yes, my voice will be out there. But right. if that hybrid publishing is not able to, because there are print-on-demand companies also, which do offer editing services you can pay for also, right? So the hybrid you need to be looking for is something which can offer you some sort of solid marketing plan also, right? Because otherwise, yes, you'll have your voice technically out there, but who are you going to be voicing well, I, I think how will anyone find it right yeah yes, right yeah. Audience, right because a lot of a big question that my students ask or when I, when i'm teaching or or just in general when i'm talking about publishing to in conferences or whatnot the big question often is how do we find our audience and how do we and even and more so if they're published how do we connect to our audience right how do we get how do we get news of the fact that this book is out there it's like with any product right if you if you develop a nail polish color and then you put it on your shelf and and in, in the you know if you don't have any ad ad or whatever they're called <laughs> revenue or you know advertisements and stuff on tv or whatever the hell they advertise um magazines and stuff how do you get the word out there and it's the same with books you you can have the, i mean as 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 once you start to get published uh, once you get an agent once you start to an, an editor then you get published it's only then that you start to notice how many different layers there are to even getting your voice out there right because because as a beginning writer i mean i know for myself i thought that okay i i you know, I mean, I've had, I've had, I've had myriad agents at this point. Somehow, I'm able to get people interested in in my work, agents interested in my work, and then selling it on to editors is harder because I think they, you know, because the editors, whereas the agents don't come up, don't, you know, the agents look at this, look at your work and 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 believe in it but then the editors at the publishing houses have to pass it through marketing also right so i think it's those two different different things going on there but but at the end of the day whether it's self-published whether it's hybrid whether it's traditionally published how to how to connect with the audience um is a big question and it often comes down to you know for for how how good you are i mean it's the truth how good you are with networking and how how well that network 
those friendships, networks that you've invested in per se, are going to come help you and come out for you, right? Because it's all, like I often tell people, it's all very well to connect with people, but you shouldn't, there's no guarantee, you, you shouldn't, your connection should not depend on what this person can do for you five years from now. And your friendship should not be based on, well, how will this help me later? Because, but but that said, I do know I do know people. Um, I was shocked the first time I came across and and uh, people who were literally saying, "Well, I'm going to befriend so and so and so and so on Twitter, etc., so that five years from now I can ask them for this, this, this." And I guess if that if that's how your personality works and it works for you, it's one way to do it, right? But again, not everyone. So, like I said before, I think you need to see what the strengths of your personality are, and then combine that though those strengths with with how you want to publish if if you want to self publish and you are if you want to self publish and you are very good at marketing and putting yourself out there or you have several platforms um you know for let's say let's say like shika you you have the indian great indian poetry collective right there will be people newspapers people journalists etc organizations who are interested in this collective in this platform right if you if you have a busy teaching um if you have you know, depending on your platform, then the networking and getting your, your work out there becomes much more easier also. If you are an author who knows you no one at all and don't have that sort of platform, you haven't you haven't founded anything, so to speak, which can then be your platform to get your voice out there, it's very, very hard. And I don't want to discount that at all. Um, no, it, it, I agree with you, but I think what no, the choices, I, I agree with you too. The choice, the fact that there are choices out there today is wonderful. But, yeah. but, but the fact is, it's not just, you know, those choices have a lot of add-ons to it too, which one has to be aware it, of. It's true, but I mean, also all of this that we've said shows how the system is so broken as well. If what we have yes. to think about is how we're going to market ourselves or pimp ourselves in terms of, you know, our work and buy my book and all that kind of stuff. I mean, something has to shift, something has to change. And I think... <laughs> We need to keep on trying until it does. You know, we have to keep on pushing for it. So, um, this, this this could be a very long conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah you know, the ongoing like, one, right? Authors or novelists or fiction writers. Just yesterday, um, you know, this uh, on on his Facebook page, um, uh, an author who just who had just had his book come out, and I don't want to take his name because I don't know if he'd be comfortable with me taking his name. But you know, he said he he was apologizing. He's like, I'm really sorry to everyone that I'm bombarding you with news of my book, but it's just come out. And you know, my comment to him with, it's fine, you know it's okay what what this is the position we're in what else are we supposed to do and yeah. and I wasn't the only one his whole feed was full of it's okay you know everyone encouraging and stuff but you know just to back up Shikha's point is that yes we're in this position where um it, it seems you know you're you're you have to be your own advocate and that does sometimes mean mean bombarding your social media with saying I have a book out I have a poem out I have a this out I have a that out and um and it can get it can get very frustrating and it can get very embarrassing also sometimes you know um but it's part of the writer's life at this point in time um I think I mean I have a slightly maybe naive view as well I mean there's like commercial realities right um but I also think if you think about how you're making friendships or relationships or whatever of course I'm sure we could 
you or anybody could think of somebody who just cynically has done that. Maybe that's paid off for them. But most of the time I see people grouping together in communities based on actually liking each other or actually appreciating each other's work, right? Um, or having something else in common. And so maybe you don't want to found something, but if somebody that you know, or you see, or you follow on Instagram or wherever, Twitter, found something, like that's also somewhere that you may think about pitching to, right? And you can start to build on that relationship and and uh, I think take it forward from there and just like go with the, I mean, this is something at a really totally different level that Megan and I kind of have felt that we, you know, we have some really wonderful listeners, a lot of really wonderful listeners and like just thinking about what do they want? Like, what do people, you know, what do we enjoy about them? What do they enjoy about us? And just like taking that and building on it and seeing where it goes um, a little bit to what I think both of you are saying. Definitely that doesn't make up for maybe a marketing department that can put your work in front of like millions of people. Um, but I do think those communities, like they are built gradually. And so there's not something magic, but if you just follow stuff that you really love and like, you know, try to participate in that, even if it's scary, um, I think that's important. That's I, I totally agree with you. Um, as a poet, I, I don't have aspirations or think of millions of people <laughs> reading my work. So I'm very happy when my community, whether it's the poetry community or the South Asian community, or even friends and family are able to connect with what, with what I have to say, it, 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 it just really touches me. And I think that's another thing which everyone should think about is like, who, who do you want your audience to be? What does your audience mean to you, you know? And just think of how writers did what they did before social media, before the internet and their work has endured, right? So I, I think the, the, the idealist, the idealist in me believes that, you know, people love to read and because they love to read, they will hopefully find you in some way, you know, um, the, the amount of labor we have to do now as writers in some ways after the book is done is ridiculous in terms of, you know, putting yourself out there. Um, and in some ways it's great because your reach is also much bigger too. Like, you know, through the internet, it, people can digitally download your book as well and things like that. So, um, but I, and I think there's so many different communities that exist within the internet too, right? If you belong to certain Facebook groups and things like that as well. Um, so it's, in, in some ways, I think it's, we've never had a bigger audience before either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I I have to say when I'm um, when I'm looking at journals and stuff, I really do prefer. I, I understand some people still prefer the print, just print only, um, but I do prefer uh, journals which have an online option and component also, just because I feel the reach is obviously so much more more bigger, right? Um, so I think I think that 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 has transitioned also um, into it used to be first that. And maybe it still is. I don't know, but used to be that you know, if it was if you were in print or whatever, it was more prestigious or whatnot. But I don't necessarily think that's the case anymore. I see so much benefit of um, having your work be be in, in uh, online journals or journals with an online component. Just because literally, like you know, like Sheikha said, the the world is your well. She didn't say this exactly, but the, the, there was a certain sentiment that the, the world is your audience then, in a way. Because anywhere, anywhere from the world can access access. But you your, can find your people that way too, right? Like, yeah, you're not stuck with your little hometown and your local newspaper to publish your stuff in, right? Like, you can find 
other you people. Know, for someone who has never had a, a hometown and a home newspaper per se, but many maybe, <laughs> it, it's, it's um, you know, yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I think I do, I do sometimes see a little bit of benefit of having your little hometown and an important place that will cover you. So. Yeah, my, yeah, my grandmother used to be, yeah, <laughs> my grandmother was like a major columnist in, a, in oh, okay. the local newspaper, but. But, but you know, I, I, I do, it's something I, I try to navigate in my work a lot, I think just by dint of my own history, is um, how landscape shapes um, your writing and who you are and, and how you transition through geography and grow through geography or don't, you know, um, and, 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 just, and just the various aspects of, you know, location, dislocation and relocation. And in some people's lives, that cycle just goes over and over and over again and seems to be never ending. <laughs> But but that also, you know, so 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 the so the benefits of online and a global audience per se, but also what that means when you are uh, constantly on the move also, you know, is that is that a, what does that do to your writing and to you as a writer also, you know. Big questions. Um, that was a great question. <laughs> I was thinking about it today as well, so. Um, we can discuss it maybe another time. Uh, I'm conscious of time. <laughs> We've run over a little bit longer, but yeah. I just wanted to thank you both because this has been like, I feel like I also could talk to you for hours um, and I'm really mm -hmm. excited to see any of your new projects. Um, both of you are really beautiful writers. We'll put some links in the show notes to things that you have written um, and to your background a little bit more, but like, I'm excited to see what both of you do next. And um, thank you very much for coming on our podcast. Thank yes, you. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. It's been, it's been a treat. I know in the past, Shikha and I have, um, you know, often talked about, well, if we do it together, how much fun it would be and what would it be like? And thank you for doing that because you've shown yeah. us, um, you know, what it would be like. So you're a great team like yeah this you are. so much fun yeah so was really we've fun. behaved we've behaved <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for this week you can find us online at marginallypodcast.com and on instagram at marginallypodcast our email is podcast at marginallypodcast.com and if you haven't already please subscribe to our newsletter the sign-up form is on our website. And if you enjoy the show, please consider rating it and leaving a review in your podcast app and or sharing an episode with a friend. This will help us to grow our community. Thanks for listening and happy writing. Marginally is produced by the two of us, Megan and Olivia. So excuse any amateur issues. We're working on it. Theme music is It's Time by Skarika Rikaska. Show notes for every episode are available at marginallypodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Marginally, you might also enjoy one of our favorite podcasts, Hashtag Am Writing with Jess and KJ. Every episode is full of great information and encouragement. Look for it wherever you get your podcasts or find the link in our show notes. Thanks for listening. No, actually, it's not a very good question. See, it's a good example of why we edit this podcast. Um, <laughs>